Hello and welcome back to Reflecting Value, the podcast where we ask the big questions about cultural value in a reflective space. As you can tell, I am still suffering with a sore throat, but luckily this episode is the second of our co-created episodes. National Theatre Scotland are leading the conversation today, talking to participants from three of their projects that happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. And yes, I'm still on the lambsip, so I'll go make myself one and see you at the end of the episode. But for now, over to Lewis. Hello there to you, wherever you might be listening. I'm currently in the headquarters of the National Theatre of Scotland, looking out across Glasgow on a rather bright, cold and beautiful day. We are going to be talking about three different projects which were led by the creative engagement team here, all of which were community and participant focused and took place over lockdown. Two films which were made as part of an inquiry into care in Scotland, Non-Optimum and Holding holding On, and The Coming Back Out Ball, a project celebrating the lives of LGBTI plus elders, which spanned over two years. Over the course of this podcast, you will hear excerpts from conversations I had with some of the people who took part in these projects. Together, we explore what these different creative projects meant to them as participants, and also how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted on what they were doing and the challenges that we all faced, but also some of the unexpected positives that emerged from being creative whilst in lockdown. My name is Lewis Hetherington. I'm a freelance artist who was the creative lead on the Coming Back Out Ball, And that's where we're going to start. The project was a National Theatre of Scotland and All the Queen's Men co-production in partnership with Eden Court and Luminate in association with Glasgow City Council. This is me chatting with two of the elders who took part. So I met Stuart and Carrie working on um, the Coming Back Out Ball, which was a huge project by any accounts that ended up spanning two years, uh, actually because of COVID, covid it meant we ended up getting an extra year on this project. Um, but the project was all about celebrating the lives of LGBTI plus elders through music, dance, community, story, um, and then beyond, as we might go on to talk about, um, cookery, origami, embroidery, and just about everything else you can imagine. Um, but I want to try and take us right back to the beginning. And Stuart, you actually start to answer this question. Um, so I'll start with you. How was it that you first heard about the project was it through friends was it through media or what was it that and um, first drew your attention and then what was it that actually made you think oh yeah I'm going to go along and see what this project is all about okay so I'd heard um I've only been in Glasgow uh, oh at the time just over four years and uh, was looking for groups to go to and I joined a group called Coffee Posse mm-hmm. that met up um, near the Tron uh, in Glasgow uh, once a month. And and that's run by LGBT Age, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. And um, Jay and Helen that were uh, coming along to mm-hmm. the um, the dancers at um, the Tron Theatre mm-hmm. came along and um, met Jay and said, oh, come along. And I said, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So it was quite daunting to go into the first one. Yeah. But 
who were just so welcoming and it was such great fun and uh, met so many lovely people through it at CS. But it sounds like it was quite significant, I suppose, that Jay and Helen, who were also LGBTI plus elders, sort of encouraged you to come along and made you feel safe to attend. Oh, yes, yes. I, I think there's been quite a few people that came came along from the coffee posse and things. And uh, not all of them have managed to keep up with uh, either through uh, just not being comfortable mm-hmm. uh, doing uh, things online and things. So it's a shame not to see some of them uh, come along to, um, you, you know, the online stuff. So hopefully when we get up to meeting again that we'll see all these people and things again. Yes. I think what you're saying there is so important, isn't it, that actually that members of the dance club start to take the responsibility for new people coming in. And that was something I loved as one of the people who was actually working on it. Yes. That actually I could see the community start yeah. to really take responsibility for that. Uh-huh. Um, now, Carrie, I'm going to ask you some of the same questions because you also were a frequent attender of dance clubs, but up yes. in Inverness rather than Glasgow. I was at Eden Court. And so how did you first um, come to hear about the project and what was it that made you think, oh, I'll give this a try? Um, I, I heard about it through Amy and Lou, who were running the Inverness Social Dance Club. Mm-hmm. And they came along to uh, Murray LGBT. Um, okay. We had a monthly group. Um, we met on, for breakfast um, once mm. a month on a Saturday morning. And they came along to tell us about it. And I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> and um, uh, and I went along and I, I went, like Stuart, I went on my own. And mm-hmm. I didn't know whether there was going to be anybody there that I knew. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit nervous about yeah. it. I was nervous what to expect. Um, but... Amy and Lou were so welcoming and there were two familiar faces um, Mm -hmm. also there. So that was that that really helped. And it was a lovely combination of of sitting around and chatting and having a drink um, and getting up and dancing and then sitting back down and having a little, you know, something to eat um, like Mm. uh, uh, there were um, scones. um, And it was it was lovely. It was it was a lovely Sunday afternoon. It was just like a D dance, mm-hmm. and I really really enjoyed it. And I got to know more people. I made new friends, mm-hmm. and uh, and I thought that it was absolutely wonderful. And when when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. it was oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I was so relieved once once the dance club went online and I didn't know how it was going to work and it worked beautifully and it was an absolute joy to have the dance club in my life of all times that National Theatre of Scotland could have done this project (laughs) it was the most perfect time because Mm -hmm. there was that wonderful creativity from all of you that were able to take it online mm-hmm. and make it the most wonderful, fun, enjoyable experience where we could be in our own living rooms or kitchens. In, in, in my, my mm-hmm. situation, I was in, in my kitchen because I, I could dance <laughs> <laughs> dance on, on the floor. Yes. And um, it was so enjoyable. And, and we had sort of so many different things that, that, that developed from that mm-hmm. um, in terms of creativity. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Obviously, the the pandemic has been um, undeniably challenging for all of us. But in the specific case of this project, actually, it gave us that extra year um, 
And which whilst it was really, really hard, and at first we were sort of um, sort of scrabbling around <laughs> trying to chase mm. our tails. And then we sort of, we managed to move it online and actually it felt really wonderful that, hey, we got another year on this project. Because it meant, I think those relationships that we've all sort of mentioned got to really deepen because actually two years is a really long time for a project so you're really connecting you're really really bonding um and as you say there was this uh wherever we were whether in our living rooms our gardens sometimes like we were able to connect on this digital platform and it felt even more significant to be reminded of um the community we were part of during that um during the pandemic um Yes, and I and what um, became very important for me was that it became a family. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just all the elders that were part of it. It was mm-hmm. all the all everybody to to do with giving us this wonderful mm-hmm. experience. And I've I can only obviously speak for myself, but I felt that I I I really felt so much closer to everybody. And what was lovely about the um, going digital mm-hmm. was that. Everybody was in their, you know, in their own space. Um, all the practitioners that w- that were, um, you know, giving us this lovely experience and that we could join in on. Um, everybody, you could see everybody's faces really mm-hmm. well because people were close up to, you know, up to the camera, you know, on their laptop, and um, so there was this real sense of intimacy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I felt came across, and that was really developed through. Um, what we did together both during the social dance club and also the other creative activities mm-hmm. that that we did um it, it, i just think there was a a, a bonding that happened mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um probably um certainly for me being um i i i love being with people and mm-hmm. being stuck in my home unable to be with other people I found I found immensely difficult and so having a place where I could really connect with other people see people's eyes I mean I couldn't hug people (laughs) and I so missed hugs that was a huge thing for me but being able to see people's faces being able to see people's expressions and 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 knowing that there will be people there and seeing you know it was such an enjoyable experience that people were in the main, you know, happy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there mm-hmm. were some people who were present, you know, attending who were really struggling, and therefore, you know, um, uh, you know, everybody has their own way of managing things. Mm-hmm. But it was it was such a wonderful experience. I it brought so much joy into my life. That is, I mean, that's so yeah. wonderful, isn't it? And that the power of joy to heal, I think, is something yes. I've been reflecting on an awful lot, and actually how. I've always loved that notion of culture as a space that creates joy. And I suppose I thought of it as, oh, joy can feel so entertaining and it can feel so nice. But I think this year it's really made me go, oh, it's it's healing. It's actually what we need. Um, and Carrie, I absolutely agree with what you were saying about that. At a time when we felt sort of physically distanced, um, these digital dance clubs were a chance to feel sort of socially connected. And yeah. I have to say, I was quite surprise i suppose at first i was cynical like i think a lot of people i was really cynical that a digital platform could make us feel connected but actually it really well i thought it did did you have a similar experience Stuart? did you kind of actually tangibly feel this connection to other people through your laptop screen oh absolutely and um you know echo a lot of what carrie was saying but and two there's there's been friendships and and things made 
uh, from people different parts of the country miles away that we wouldn't we wouldn't have had so so there's if oh, it, uh, it's a difficult one to say but something positive has come out of um having to do this online you know there's a lot of people i mean there's people from germany and wales and mm -hmm. england that have joined and well yeah it was incredible when we start to get international guests and of course yes. that was the sort of unexpected wonderful side effect of that um yeah. digital space and i'd say as well obviously there's this friendship in this room carrie's come yeah. down yes. from up north yes. and she's staying with you and i suppose i don't think you guys had connected before no, no, no. we hadn't so but i had never wouldn't. met Stuart. Uh, i only talked to Stuart um online mm. and um uh, and i've made so many lovely friends in glasgow mm -hmm. yeah. that i would not have met yes normally mm. yeah but but through you know there pandemic was horrendous but there have been some wonderful jewels mm -hmm. as a result of the yes. pandemic yep. for me and one of them is is the friendships that have developed and Stuart is somebody that I wouldn't <laughs> have met and I just I love you Stuart you're just great <laughs> Next, we're going to hear about Holding, Holding On, a film project led by Nicola McCartney as part of National Theatre of Scotland's Care in Contemporary Scotland, a Creative Inquiry project, an investigation into the impact that the arts can make within a care context across Scotland. I am now joined by Kenny and Charlotte, who are part of a project the National Theatre of Scotland run last year, uh, looking into care experience people and the care sector here in Scotland. Um, the National Theatre of Scotland put a call out for artists who wanted to explore this issue, and one of them was playwright Nicola McCartney. And Kenny and Charlotte, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to be involved? Um, so Nicola reached out to me uh, through a, a mutual connection that we had, explaining a little bit about what the story was all about, um, mm -hmm. what kind of path she wanted to go down with the project. Um, and I was really excited by the email that I received and I was like, I also think Kenny, my colleague at the time, ah, will okay. be very excited about this email. So so you've I, sort of dove straight in head first. Did you have any sort of reservations? Did you have any nervousness about... I think it was just my initial reservations were, is this going to be a thing where people are going to ask me about my story and then that's as far as it'll go. Mm -hmm. um, but any sort of situation where people want to talk to care experienced people, you kind of get that initial are we just going to talk about our lives and then it never really amounts to anything else. Mm -hmm. So I think approaching any sort of opportunity that gets presented to you as an opportunity for you is, well, is it really an opportunity for me? But based on meeting Nicola for the first time, like I immediately felt comfortable around her and um, the dynamic that was established from the, the very beginning was very much that this is not just my project, this is mine and your project. And right. you've got a much direction and like power and ability to, to change as I have in this situation. So um, those reservations that I had at the start were quickly alleviated and then Kenny was brought into that space as well. And you had regular contact with Nicola because it was quite a long process you were saying to me, wasn't it? It was kind of months in the end, was it? Yeah, so probably close to a year in terms mm -hmm. of we would meet, meet with Nicola once a week uh, where we could uh, and speak for hours at a time uh, and really got to know each other. And mm -hmm. I think that's important, you know, what Charlotte says is a lot of times uh, when care experience people are asked to share their story or get involved in projects where stories mm -hmm. are involved, it's uh, kind of like, 
you're sort of prodded with this that you know tell your yeah. story you know make people connect with this you provide the human human interest level mm-hmm. and then they sort of pack up and go home and i think what nicola did was totally different from that uh-huh. in the sense that she i think she connected with us as individuals and mm-hmm. we had the chance to connect with her uh, on value basis on you know love for the arts uh, mm-hmm. where we came uh, towards things as, as individuals and uh, it was really intensive uh, you know it happened for me alongside uh, giving testimony to the scottish abuse inquiry mm-hmm. uh, and i actually found that i was speaking more and feeling more comfortable in situations with Nicola than I was in the abuse inquiry which was also a really comforting great pro- process but mm-hmm. it was it was interesting for those two things for me to be parallel and yeah. in the sense that I would speak to Nicola about something get it straight in my head in terms of verbalising it yeah. you know sort of communicating it to be part of the project and then it was really helpful then when I had to share something with you know the abuse inquiry in the sense that I'd had the opportunity to verbalise it, get comfortable mm-hmm. with it, and it felt like it was a safe enough space to do that and exploring it from a, an arts-based yeah. uh, f- foundation. And it sounds sort of like, I mean, it was obviously both Nicola's manner, but also the duration of time, because, of course, it's a really emotive subject. It's a really complicated subject. So it sounds like maybe the duration of that relationship, talking once a week for a really long period, meant you were able to get into quite complicated and challenging terrain is that right yeah you know i think the the very idea of being taken into care is, is traumatizing in itself mm-hmm. the the impact of being separated from your birth family from your brothers and sisters uh, and being sort of processed through a system is a, is a traumatizing thing to experience it's a traumatizing thing to revisit and uh, a lot of here experienced people uh, including myself mm-hmm. I think grow a comfort at being able to talk about it quite easily mm-hmm. uh, but it's almost kind of methodical it's almost uh, you become monotonous you you, you can reel it off mm-hmm. the top of your head well I experienced this 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 and this and actually having to explore it over a long period of time in a, yeah, and that's our arts foundation mm-hmm. allowed you to, to explore it understand the impact of it and then part of part of the process was Nicola would transcribe what we shared, mm-hmm. uh, and then we could have that read back to us. Uh, we could read it ourselves, uh, but equally parts of it would be f- performed in the final thing. And mm-hmm. hearing l- things that I'd said repeated back by performers mm-hmm. uh, it was really impactful for me because there's things that I had just accepted within my life through talking to Nicola that I felt really sort of passive about. Didn't really have any. Mm-hmm feeling about it but actually what what Nicola was able to capture was was the sort of reality of that uh, yeah. and hearing that back was was really impactful uh, so just having that space I guess to reflect and sort of ask questions and and take time yeah sounds like it was really significant for you yeah in a way totally different from for example uh being through therapy and, and things like that and that is is entirely different mm-hmm. uh and because it comes from a a fixing angle how can we fix you mm-hmm. uh, how can you fix yourself how can mm-hmm. you come to a, a situation where you feel comfortable with yourself in, in your life and your yeah. experiences whereas with this it was it was an exploration of it yeah. and I think like you know we talk about lots of things class was a big thing mm-hmm. and a uh, you know I've in my care experience I've lived with well-off families less well-off families mm-hmm. 
working class families, mm-hmm. you know, upper upper class families, different parts of, of Glasgow, uh, mm-hmm. of the country. And it's it's interesting the sort of insight you get into people's lives. Yeah. And it's never something I'd thought about until I started speaking to Nicola about that. It's not something that would be captured in an abuse inquiry or yeah. in, a, in a situation like that. But, you know, not a lot of people have the, have the privilege, and it feels weird saying that when you're talking about care, of like getting an insight into different yeah. class structures in terms of family dynamic. Was there any limitations to this particular project? Um, and, I, you know, it's important to say that like this podcast and National Theatre Scotland are really interested in in those kind of critical reflections in terms of what are the limitations of of working like this or this specific project, if there were any for you guys. I think for me, the sort of limitations come through the investment, you know. Right? Mm-hmm. There was a huge investment in time, and I think, like, a, this is something I think that should be much more expansive in terms of the number of people that get involved alongside mm-hmm. this stuff, you know. The opportunities to progress through things, you know. So, uh, from a very selfish perspective, myself as somebody who's interested in writing, you know, mm-hmm. it would have been great for there to be then to be involved in this for there to be some scheme to to go on to to, to learn more about writing to yeah. unlock that stuff you know uh, to connect with people to get alongside things that the National Theatre of Scotland are doing outside of this project you know yeah. and I think equally you know it's not just writing you know I think there's kid experience people out there who you know want to get involved in, in the arts in lots of different ways whether it's you know sound recording, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. stage management, you know, like event management, you know, joinery, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, there's loads of different ways. And, uh, you and own, also would have like their own stories and perspectives again, so it would just be enriching because sure. you just have more ideas, more like kind of things to throw into the mix. That's it. And, you know, you don't know that something's an offer to you unless it's a, it's in your world. Yes. And so growing up in, in care, growing up in poverty, you don't necessarily know that the arts is for you because... Again, do you see yourself on it? Yeah. Do you see yourself in it? Yeah. Like, are you going to then approach it because is it for you? Uh, and then you turn up at a screenwriting class at the conservatoire and people start talking about obscure films and you feel <laughs> that you're out of the loop just because you went to see Downton Abbey and you feel like <laughs> you feel less than. And so I think like you know these all factor in uh, yeah. and eradicating barriers and, and things like that and making yeah. people feel comfortable in the space. Yeah. And what do you think, Charlotte, in terms of limitations? I think for me, uh, the personal investment was also a limitation in terms of you're given quite a lot and you don't really know where it's going to go until you mm. see it. <laughs> I think having a sort of explanation as to what, what's happening behind the scenes would have made that a bit better. But Okay, my... so you sort of felt like you were having these conversations with Nicola, which felt really yeah, interesting, but, then, like, but you sort of went, I don't quite know what this is going to do. Where is this going to go? Sure. Yeah, so I think that's just the nature of being in the middle of a pandemic, though. I think sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that we were doing most of this work online and then Mm -hmm. the final product turned out to be online things would have been different if it was in person I think even another limitation is the sort of reach and the momentum after it went out there like if we I think the plan was to do an exhibition in parliament originally Mm -hmm. and then potentially make some sort of stage production or something like that Mm -hmm. but these were all like ideas floated about at the start and then obviously the pandemic prevented all of these things from happening. Yes. But I think in terms of keeping the momentum going, because this isn't just a snapshot of 
mine and Kenny's lives and everybody else's that were involved. Like this really much is an ongoing debate, an ongoing conversation. And some of the stuff that we talked about in each segment of the project are really live and happening for people right now. And yeah. how do we, I suppose, keep that momentum going in terms of na National Theatre of Scotland is obviously such a big organisation and obviously mm -hmm. a huge body. People pay attention to what you guys have got to say. Mm -hmm. But I think the limitation in terms of the situation that we were in with the pandemic meant that Holding, holding on got a lot of attention at the time and then nothing's really sort of, not changed because I'm not expecting some sort of massive change from mm. it, but it would have been good to see this work continue because it is really not just about care experienced people because we're looking at like care in general in Scotland. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. This is a really topical debate right now as we're starting the National sure. Care Service. Yeah. Like all of these conversations are important to keep having. Mm -hmm. And I suppose... I don't know if that's a limitation. I think it's where we could go further. Well, yeah, I think it almost also... sounds like there's something that... And yeah, for me watching it, it's, I felt like I was part of a really, really interesting conversation. And when the film ends, I was like, actually, I want that conversation to keep going. Yeah, I think this is it. Once you start unlocking these conversations and giving them a space to go, and then suddenly they just like drop, mm. I think that is the limitation, is because you don't let these conversations develop. And a really good example of that is me and Kenny and the conversations that we were having with Nicola really mm -hmm. got to develop over that time yeah. period and then we produced something that we did whereas like if these conversations continue to happen not just with me and Kenny it could be any like care experienced person as Kenny said like mm -hmm. someone that's potentially wanting to come in and work with the National Theatre of Scotland doing all sorts of things yeah. these conversations can continue to go. So actually it's always been part of a civic dialogue actually what do we do mm -hmm. um, and how do we support uh, care experienced individuals so it's kind of that alone was just such a stimulating idea to be like oh yeah, this isn't a modern thing this has always been part of of society and it actually has, there's yeah. we've dealt with it very badly historically <laughs> in lots of ways but there's still actually it's so it's invaluable to look at that you need to look at that context to get to where we are today and i feel so aware that after talking about not wanting to finish conversations <laughs> we're gonna have to finish this conversation now because we've got so much stuff um but I mean, you guys should have your own podcast. That's my first observation. Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> oh, okay. I did a podcast when I worked for Gear Scotland, so I don't work for them anymore. So if anyone wants to like sponsor me again. Okay, amazing. <laughs> there we go. It's out there. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. It's been fascinating to talk to you guys. We could have talked for hours more, I suspect, but it's been so brilliant to have you in and have your insight into holding, holding on. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, we are going to hear about Non-Optimum, When It Is Safe To Do So, created by Lucy Gaisley and 21 Common, which was also part of the Care in Contemporary Scotland, a creative inquiry project. During the COVID-19 pandemic, vital care services that learning disabled individuals across the country depend on were suddenly stopped. Non-Optimum, When It's Safe To Do So, is a film documenting those months in lockdown and revealing the lives of Alan, Jackie, Ian and Peter, who started attending a weekly virtual club to connect, dance, and socialise together again. Using content filmed by the protagonists and narrated by leading Scots actor Gavin Mitchell, Non-Optimum confronts uncomfortable issues around visibility, ability, ableism, and otherness. This experimental documentary film centres on endless zooming, raving, domestic dreaming, and the reimagined forbidden outdoors. I had a chat about the process with Jackie and Peter and their mums, Linda and Jan. 
I am here with Jackie and Peter, and we're going to talk about Non-Optimum, a brilliant film which these guys were part of making last year. Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about Non-Optimum, the film? Non-Optimum, the film, when I was making it, when I was filming um, at the Abbey Centre and Abercrombie Business Centre and Abercrombie Street in Bridgeton, where when during the COVID-19 pandemic last year and I was starting, when I first started as one of the service users at the International Theatre Scotland, when I correct the projects for International Theatre Scotland with Craig and Gary and Lucy and Ian and Peter and Alan was called 21 Common and I was making a film called An Optimum and we named we started to film in, in the Abbey Centre first Brilliant. Thanks, Jackie, so much. Peter, how are you doing over there? Fine. You're okay. Brilliant. I'm going to ask you some of the same questions. So why don't you tell me, when did you first start working on the project? Was that the same time as Jackie? Well, I wasn't in the scene. Mm Mm-hmm. You did your own scenes? Yeah. And so where did you get filmed? A house. In your house? Outside. And outside. And what were you doing in the film when you were filmed? I was using the forces dressed as Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. And are you a big Star Wars fan? Yeah. So my first question is, um, Jackie and Linda, this is for you. Jackie, do you think you changed at all over this project did you see any changes in yourself I see any changes myself I need to change in the project mm-hmm. it gave Jacqueline another focus um because we were well we had no days at Abbey mm-hmm. um so this came along a, a nice time really. ah, okay so it gave a focus to sort it of her, yeah. occupy time and yeah. energy and Linda, what did you sort of observe? What felt like something that really felt significant about this project for... She was a lot happier. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of tears during lockdown. Mm-hmm. She wasn't coping very well. So this gave her another focus. She loved what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to the house just a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, they filmed at the house as well. They filmed... Uh, some of our moves in the garden with the dog. <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember. It was brilliant. Brilliant <laughs> um, dance moves. She was just really, a, you know, a, a lot happier. There was, there was like hope there because I think yeah. she felt as if, you know, everything, because everything stopped. Oh, yeah. Everything absolutely stopped. Yeah, it was so Everything hard. was shut down and mm-hmm. closed and we were in the house and it was awful, really. But yeah, it's amazing when... A project like this comes along, as you say, yeah. gives a little bit of yeah. hope, a little bit of light, a little bit of um, joy in amongst what was a really difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favourite bit of the film? I liked the Darth Vader. I loved the Darth <laughs> yeah. Vader. That yeah. was great. That absolutely. Was good. The dancing Darth Vader yeah, yeah. in the subclub absolutely. is absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Is absolutely um, brilliant. That was great. It was really good. Um, yeah. Jacqueline, of course, doing a model. Of course, the um, catwalk. Catwalk, she said. Uh, Jacqueline loves Kate Moss. Oh, brilliant. And yeah. once she has a, a DVD mm-hmm. and it gets played once a year on the 16th of January. 
Oh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. That's her birthday. Kate Moss's birthday. Ah, that's Kate Moss's birthday. Brilliant. So do you like walking the catwalk, I Jackie? like walking the catwalk yes. with Lewis. Yes, I know yeah, I do. Yeah, me too. She just thinks that she is very cool. Yeah. Regardless of what she has done, she is the greatest thing since ever. Now, have you always liked Kate Moss? I always liked Kate Moss. I do. I love Kate Moss. I love her. Brilliant. Well, I think in non-optimum, you give Kate Moss a run for her money with your catwalk walk. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, Kate Moss, she wants to get a run for the money for my catwalk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, and Peter and Jan. Um, so, yeah, Peter, do you think, did anything change for you doing this project? Um, it's a hard question. Yeah. Did you feel, did doing this project make you feel different? Um, yeah. Was, did you find lockdown a difficult time? Aye. Uh-huh. And what was it that was difficult? Um. Stuck in the house with your mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Good. And then this film came along, and did that change things? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What about you, Jan? Did you sort of notice a difference when... Peter started working on the film. Oh, yes. It's been changed. Mm-hmm. And all through the week, it would be, Craig and Gary, can you text Craig? You text Craig. When am I on again? When am I doing Zoom again? Going to text him. I says, it'll be on Friday when you're back mm-hmm. in touch space for a few hours. Right, okay. Has Craig got back to you yet? Am I doing this? And it was just constant all the yeah. time. And that was a good thing. Yeah. It gave him a focus. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, getting really quiet, upset mm-hmm. about not being able to get out and seeing family yeah. members yeah. and it, it was just a great thing that yeah. came along and I thought wow this is fantastic yeah. and it was like, people that he knew mm-hmm. yep. that were in it as well and that was because he didn't see any of the people in touch base yeah. even in a Zoom yeah, yeah. So it was great for him to see people that he would normally see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even if it was just at a music session yeah. in the band, mm-hmm. then he would see them there. But other than that, it, there was absolutely nothing. So this was just... So it was a chance to connect to yes. people and have relationships. And... Yeah. So Peter, was that relationship with Craig and Gary and Lucy a special relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like they were your friends? Did you feel like you had fun together? I felt I had fun together. And what was it that made that a fun relationship? Well, I was watching the premiere. Uh-huh. Oh, you watched the premiere of the film? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I think Craig, Gary and Lucy were very friendly, mm-hmm. very welcoming. Mm-hmm. And very open as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Could Peter do this? Right, right. And they always asked. It wasn't a case of, like, right, he has to do this. They asked <laughs> yeah, politely, yeah. Uh, could this, could he do this, could he do that? What do you think, Peter, was the most, the most special thing to you about this whole project? Good. It was good. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Jan, what do you think, kind of observing, what do you think the most sort of important or significant part of the project was for for both of you, for you as a family? Peter connecting mm-hmm. with his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was on Zoom. 
Mm-hmm. It was still that connection was there. Because I think without that, it would have just been boring. Yeah. Really, without that. So it, just, it did, it came along at the right time. That's great. And do you, I'm going to ask you both what your favourite part of the film is. Jan, what's your, it's probably hard to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Oh, I would say Jackie dancing. <laughs> Jackie, there you go. Did you hear that? You dancing was Jan's favourite part of the yes, film. Yes, Lewis, um, I, danced, I was dancing as part of the film. Yeah, it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fabulous. And Peter, what was your favourite part of the film? Um, I was eating a pack of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. And the last thing, um, it'd be lovely to hear from everyone in the room, uh, what would you say to Lucy, Gary and Craig, who worked on making this film? What would you like to say to them, Peter, to Lucy, Gary and Craig? I would say thank you. <laughs> That's nice. And Jen, what about yourself? Uh, thank you. And I think we've made uh, an extra three friends Brilliant. through this as well. Yeah. That's yeah, that relationship keeps yeah. coming up again yes. and again and mm-hmm. again. Um and what about you, Jackie? If you could say something right now to Lucy, Gary and Craig, what would that be? Yeah, I would say thank you, Gary Lu- thank you, Gary and Lucy and Craig. Thank you for your few. Wow, that's lovely. And Linda, what would you say to them? Oh, absolutely, thank you. Thank you for all their hard work, um, their patience. Um, they were just, they're a great bunch of people, they really are, fabulous. Well, do you know, and from watching the film, you can really sense that, you can really yeah. sense the friendship, uh-huh. the community, and just that everyone was having a really, really fun yeah. time. Thanks so much, guys. It's been so lovely to chat to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you you for having us. (laughs) My pleasure. My pleasure. As you could probably tell from listening, this podcast could have been a lot longer. There is so much richness in all these projects. In fact, we did record a good few hours worth of material which we've edited down into what you've heard today. But if you want to know more about these projects, do head along to the website nationaltheatrescotland.com where you can find out a lot more, including background, images, film content, and also you'll find ways to contact the National Theatre of Scotland if you have more questions. For now, though, I'm going to say goodbye and a huge thank you to Stuart, Carrie, Kenny, Charlotte, Jackie, Peter... Linda and Jan for sharing their thoughts and to you for joining us. There's so much to take away and reflect on from this episode. And I'd like to extend my thanks to everyone at National Theatre Scotland who was involved in the production of this episode. And for the participants in each of the programmes for sharing such open and honest reflections on their experiences during this time. Share your thoughts on this episode on Twitter using the hashtag ReflectingValue. This is the last episode in our cultural participation series. 
I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed producing it. Until next time.